This is Wholesaling Houses Elite, the no fluff and BS podcast with tips and tricks to help you become an elite wholesaler. Our guest will spill the beans on what it takes to be the best. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Max Maxwell here. Welcome to another podcast episode. Now, this one is a little different. This is a keynote that I gave at the Wholesaling Summit uh, in Asheville, North Carolina, just a few weeks ago. And what I did is I closed out the summit and I was speaking to other investors, not really about actually real estate, but the mindset that it takes to be successful in this game. So I hope you guys love this podcast. Give me a rating. Take a look at the show notes and I'll see you guys next time about coming to these events is not the speakers, not Joe, not any of these guys, because why? They always give this stuff away for free anyways. The reality is the most important people in this room is the people that you're sitting next to. People that you didn't know before you came here, your accountability partners. People that when you pick up the phone and you get in a rut and you get stuck and nobody else around you is talking about real estate, call one of the people next to you. So I encourage everybody in here to exchange numbers, exchange emails, become Facebook friends. Because these are the ones that are going to keep you accountable. It's important to have these people on your side. Now everybody sit down. So you might heard a little bit about my story, but I want to go a little bit deeper to show you why. Right? So this is me, young cowboy. Wasn't I cute? I mean, I'm still cute, but wasn't I cuter than too? So in my family, I'm a first-generation American. Right? I'm the first person in my family to be born in America. People have made sacrifices for me to be here. Right? So that's my mom. I was born in Port Chester, New York. New York. New York. So I didn't come from a peachy background, right? I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. I played football in high school. That's me. Yep, I was a stud. <laughs> but I was an absolute terrible student. You know, in North Carolina, when you play sports, you got to maintain a 2.0 GPA in order to continue to play the entire season. I only played an entire season of football one time. But I still had all the scouts. But it didn't matter because I had a less than a 2.0 GPA. Guess what college was going to take me? None. Zero. Zilch. You, might, you guys might know Tony the Closer, yeah. right? He's a friend of mine. Known him since childhood. We played football together. Guess what he did? He went off to play in the NFL. He's still my best friend today. Actually, he works with me in real estate. So I had every intention to be an NFL athlete, at least a good college one. But you know what? Life throws things at you, and I couldn't understand why I was a bad student. Then I found out I was dyslexic. It wasn't normal that I wasn't reading, and I couldn't read, or I couldn't write. Everything I seen was backwards. That's what I had. That's what I had a challenge with, right? So when you, when you underperform in certain things, you overperform in certain things. I was a funny kid in school to hide what I, did, that I couldn't read, to hide that I couldn't write. Numbers were backwards. You know how hard it is for me today now to remember a cell phone number? If you paid me a million dollars and recited a number, I couldn't tell it to you in a minute. So I still deal with this on a day-to-day basis. Long emails, forget it. I ain't reading them. 
You want a long response from me? Nope, you ain't gonna get it. So I barely graduated high school. To this day, I'm not sure how I walked across that stage. I think they just wanted me out of there. Okay? So obviously, I would, if I wasn't gonna go to high, uh, college, guess what you gotta do? You gotta join the military or you gotta go get a job in my household. So I went off to the military, Air Force, in four years active, six years in the Guard. But when I got done with my active duty career at 21 years old, I decided I wanted to get in real estate for some odd reason. So I became a real estate agent. I opened up my own property management company. And I had one client from Southern California that I controlled. That, he was 85% of my entire business. It was a three and a half million dollar portfolio that I luckily landed somehow. I got it. I'm rolling in the dough. And then we all know what happened in 2008. I was flat on my face. Nothing to show for it. So I packed up and I moved to California. I moved to LA. Literally, my Jeep was actually out for order for repo. And I said, they ain't gonna find me in California. <laughs> it took them two years, but they found me. <laughs> True story. So I moved out to California. And then I moved back to North Carolina after going around doing marketing, I started learning some things, right? And I just hated being an employee. It wasn't for me. So I started this new app called FASPA. Right? Won't even get into detail with it. Guess what happened? It failed. It's flat on my face again. This time I had credit cards. So I was able to pretend for about nine more months. And then those ran out. And here I am again, broke, 30 years old. Nothing. I remember like it was yesterday. Thanksgiving dinner, every, all the family members fly in, we're eating, and I'm the one having to say I'm moving back home. So I had to move back home with my mom in the same room from high school, had nothing. They took the car, they found out in California. They took the car from me, so I had nothing. And it was, it was such a big struggle for a 30-year-old guy that looked like he had everything going on to nothing, back home with mom. And my friend I mentioned before, the closer, you know, we, we've known each other since like nine years old. So we've grew up in each other's household and everything. And by the way, his NFL career didn't work out either. Two seasons, ruptured Achilles, he was done. Right? So we're both back home and we're broke. I mean, broke, broke. You guys know what broke, broke is? Yeah. I was broke, broke. And I remembered that his dad was getting into real estate long, 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 long time ago. And we was having a conversation one day, eating some ramen noodles. Those are good, by the way. If you get the shrimp, it's better, I promise. And I said, uh, isn't your dad rich? He was like, I think so. I was like, how, does, how do you not know if your dad's rich? I was like, don't he got a big old house? He's like, yeah. He's like, ah, me and my dad don't really talk like that. I said, you gonna call him today? 
because we got two packs of ramen left and we need something to do. So you call his dad, we go hang out. Hey, how you doing, Max? We're in the basement. You know, still looks at me as a little kid. And I was like, what do you do? <laughs> he laughs. He's like, I'm a real estate investor. I'm like, what does that mean? So he takes me over to his, he's in, I'm in his basement office. He takes me over to a cabinet. You know those big, wide cabinets with the two double drawers? He pulls it out, the top one, and he goes, Pulls out the next one, he goes, he's dragging his fingers across files. Goes to the third drawer, he said, I own all of those. Those are properties. Every single file owns every one. So we sit down and we start talking. Not when I'm the dumbest person in the room, I listen. So I sat in the couch, and he just, what, he, like for some reason, he had a PowerPoint presentation ready. <laughs> so I don't know if he. I mean, they looked like they were built on Windows 95, but he had a PowerPoint presentation. Like he knew I was coming. And he literally starts talking to me about how he acquires properties through lease options, through wholesale deals, flips he's done. And he said wholesale. I was like, what is that? Took my phone out, got in the notes, and I wrote it down. And I ran back home. I didn't say anything. I was like, oh, this is cool. Rich guy. Went back home. And all he had to tell me was the word and, how he, and what it was. And for the next month, I stayed upstairs. I mean, my mom was like, like, I don't know how many of you guys got foreign parents, but if you skip a meal, they think you're depressed, you're about to kill yourself, right? Yeah, so it's like every 30 seconds, come down and eat, come down and eat, they'll make sure you eat, right? So I was just locked in. I was locked into my room. I was just doing everything I can to learn about wholesaling. So since I didn't get to go to university, I subscribed to YouTube University. And I started learning everything I could about wholesaling. I literally, in three weeks or a month, I think I got my uh, bachelor's degree. <laughs> and then, this is, two, this is like two years ago, and then I wanted to further my education, so I went to go get my MBA over at Podcast University, and that's when I found the guys over there at Wholesale Nick. Yeah. Now, I started listening to that stuff, and I was locked in. I felt like I knew it all. I don't even know if Tom knows this. But I called him, called one of somebody's offices, because he had this rhino program. I was like, yeah, I want to get in the rhino program. He's like, wait, 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 we just don't take anybody. So goes through the process, talking. I was like, man, this sounds awesome. How much is it? I don't remember what he said, but I know I didn't have it. OK, I'll call you back. <laughs> I don't think I ever told anybody that before. So I was like, okay, that's not gonna work. I'm gonna go back and keep listening to his podcast. And literally, three weeks later, I end up getting my first deal. If you can read that. If you can read that, it says, uh, what is that, September 28th, 
2016. I'll never forget it. So when you hear me say you're one deal away, that was my one deal. On that deal, I made $14,000. That wasn't it. A week later, that, that's the deal, but a week later, I found another deal. I made seven grand. So I'm like a month and a week into wholesaling, and I got 21 grand. Now the best part I forgot to tell you, I had got a new car after they repoed my other car, but it was a 2004 Volkswagen Jetta. How I many of you guys love Volkswagen? Me neither. Um, but it was, you know, it was standard drive and everything. So the funny thing was, I was so broke before I got my first deal that the car had a bad starter. How I many of you guys ever had a bad starter on a car? All right, so I'm not alone here. So when you have a bad starter on your car, what do you travel with? A hammer. <laughs> You've been there. You and I can relate. There you go. I had that too in the military. So the reason why you got to bring a hammer with you is because you literally have to knock the starter by the engine before you can start your car, right? So imagine this. Serious. I'm at the gym. I go to the gym in the morning. Uh, you get out, you go to the gym, you come back, and you look around, make sure nobody, you make sure you're the last one leaving the gym. <laughs> so you get into the car, pop the hood, reach under the passenger seat, grab the hammer, and you look, you just look, make sure nobody's looking. A few taps, close it, close it softly, because you don't know if those few taps are gonna work. Right? So you're tapping, you're tapping the car, you look around, close the hood softly, not all the way because you might have to come back. You jump in the car, you oh, nothing. It's cool. Check some text messages. People walking by. What's up, bro? How you doing? Tap, 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 tap. No, no, no. It's just I'm just checking the, you know, the thing under the hood. Boom. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's cool. I got AAA anyways. Don't worry about it. Go home. Literally, knock, knock, boom, we're good. I'm off for races, I'm going home. So I remember pulling up to this house. I didn't turn off the car. Because if I'm telling this lady I got $40,000 cash to buy her house, and I can't afford a $75 starter and $125 for somebody to put it in, she's not gonna believe me. And I forgot to tell you, at this time, I got negative $438 in my Bank of America account. Round of applause for Bank of America for allowing me to overdraft. Now that I think about that, I don't think I ever paid them back. I might need to get on that. J-Rock, remind me to pay Bank of America the $438 back. Um, so obviously, whenever you buy gas, it's gas plus $35. So I didn't have the gas to keep the car running, but I had to because I didn't want Amy to be not believe that I didn't have the 40 grand. So through all that adversity, I land the first deal, 14 grand. And then I land a second deal a week later for seven grand. And I know how crazy it was. These prices, some of you guys from like California and New York, you could probably like, what? I see a deal on Craigslist. I called a guy. He said, hey, you selling your house? He wanted $10,000. I was like, what kind of house is for $10,000? 
I call him. He's like, yeah, I want $10,000. Here I am as a master negotiator. I'm like, I'll give you nine. <laughs> He's like, oh, let me call you back. I said, like, no, no, no. And then he hung up. And I started thinking. Remember, Bryce was there at the point. I started thinking. I said, that's stupid. What's the grand for? I called him back. I said, you know what? I thought about it. I can give you 10. He said, cool. I met him the next day at a UPS store. Boom, got the contract notarized. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought you had to notarize every contract. Um, <laughs> So that was the extra $5 I had to spend to get it done. But 21 grand. And you know what I did? I took like $20,000 and I put it right back in the business. And I kept living in my mom's house for a whole year, extra year after that. So in my first year, living upstairs, not being able to bring any girls home, Jamaican parents ain't playing that. Nope, not even in the living room. Nope, go to the club, ain't coming back home with me. Um, you know, in that house, I made over 800 grand in that house before I decided to move out. So the reason why I tell you my story is that if I can do it, and you already here, then you got no excuse not to make it, right? So I don't want to see three people over the next year, the only ones in there doing this business. This business is simple. Find somebody to give you instructions and follow it. It will work. Last year, this year, right now, has been our biggest year. Since I started two years ago, in September 28th of my first contract, we've done close to $3 million in wholesaling fees. And and that's just in two years. This year has been absolutely crazy. Um, and that's just because we're just, and I'm learning every day. Right? My YouTube channel, I don't come off as I know it. I don't know everything. I'm literally just documenting and watch you guys, let me see you guys, let you, let you see me mess up. Because I do it often. Like rehabs and stuff. I, God, I hate rehabs. <laughs> so if I can do it, a first generation American that had no money two years ago can stand in front of you and say, I've made almost $3 million in this business, you have no excuse. The only reason you won't go home and do it is because you don't have the confidence and you're gonna go back to the same friends that are gonna tell you that this stuff doesn't work. You're already light years ahead of the people around you because you invested in yourself to come here today. Don't let the naysayers and the people that are the closest to you drag you down because they need you to be rich. They need you to be rich. Your church needs you to be rich. Right? Other family members need you to be rich. So don't be ashamed by making money. We're problem solvers. That's what we are. Right? We're going to go out there. We're going to solve problems. We're going to make a lot of money doing it. And then when you make a lot of money doing it, start acquiring your own stuff. Right? So, guys, I don't have much to tell you about wholesaling. These guys in the back have already told you everything there is. I'm just here to tell you that if you weren't ready to receive that information, everything that you've learned over the last couple days means nothing.
So please, find you an accountability partner, find you somebody in your market, and go out and do it. All right, guys, go out and do it. So, before I'm done, I left, a lot of, I, let, I left a lot of time on there. I don't know if I'm rapping yet. If you guys have any questions, want to ask me anything about the business and what my model looks like, what we're doing, line up. I'll take a few questions. But I know it's the end of the day. Everybody's antsy. Your butt's numb. I know. I've done it. Do you have a team that you I do have a team. Yeah, so I have uh, five full-time virtual people. And I have four full-time people that work in my office every day, plus an in-house attorney. Yeah. Yes, sir. What books do I read? That's funny you say that. Told you I'm dyslexic. So my first book I ever read was 30, I was 30 years old. My first book I ever read from cover to cover was 30 years old. Um, a book I'm reading right now is Raising Private Capital. I'm trying to get more efficient at that. I don't remember the author, but it's about raising private capital in real estate. Absolutely. That's it? No questions? Yes, sir. Where's Francis? Uh, Francis, we just had... <laughs> yeah, I know. We just had two closings this morning, and he had to go deliver two other contracts. So they're working. T-Rob T, T is working. He's with his dad learning some stuff. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, he's with his dad right now. Hey, thank you so much. Yes. Um, so, starting at the very bottom, uh, some of the speakers have said, find that one thing and, you know, just mm -hmm. focus on that one thing. Um, since everything is new, there's some, you know, information overload. Mm -hmm. Advice on, you know, establishing that one thing that you want to suggest. They're 100% correct. Right? A lot of people watch my YouTube, watch what I do on Instagram, and they try to model a business that's doing over millions of dollars. Don't do that. Find the one thing. After I found my first deal, I reverse engineered where it was at. It was, I found it driving for dollars. It was a probate, and they had delinquent taxes. So you can guess where the next $800,000 I made came from was probate and taxes, and that was it. I didn't listen to any other white noise. I zoned in and I just went for it. I became the expert at probate and taxes. I am so good at probate and taxes, I can give anybody that works there a day off. <laughs> Literally, I know how to run th somebody through an entire probate. And you should get that good because if you're solving problems, you need to know what the problem is. Right? That's just my theory on it. Yes. Ac callers and acquisition managers. Okay. So I Yeah, so it's hard. That's, hiring is always something I struggle with too. I was just at Carrot Camp with Trevor and we all, all of the, everybody there had problems with hiring. Um, where you get them from, um, a lot of people believe that people directly connected to you in some way, shape, or form through friends of friends or your friends, can, if they're good at sales, can be a good acquisitions manager. Um, I know people go to car lots, pretend like they're buying a car and try to wean people away from that. Um, you got to go out and get them because they're not just out there waving their hand for you. Um, 
One thing we've tried to implement is a non-compete. How enforceable it is in court, I'm not sure, but get an attorney to do it. Some states like them, some states hate them. Most states hate them. But when you find somebody that is good at what they do and, they, and, and there's a good workplace environment, they're gonna stay, right? You pay them well, you treat them good, they're gonna stay. Now people that have the entrepreneur spirit, they're gonna leave regardless of what you tell them or what you pay them, it doesn't matter. So it's just part of it. You're gonna go through a lot of people. You know, I lucked up. When I found Francis, I lucked up. And I try to create a workplace environment that, yeah, you're off at five, but I have people in my office at nine o'clock because it's fun to be there. All right? Yeah, absolutely. I can't see that far. When you're closing a few deals starting out, what would you say are systems that if you had to go back, you would implement right away? And then what, from the business, what would you start tracking right away to make sure that, you know, to see what KPI is? And man, to be honest with you, when I started, the two things that I thought was good in my business, one, I had investor views from day one. They can look up how long I've been there. And I'm not just saying that because they're sitting in the back of the room. I literally had, when I closed my first deal, I know I needed a CRM because I started doing marketing to get, and I just couldn't handle the calls. Reason why I started finding myself overwhelmed with calls and I didn't know where things went. So I started screening people according to the voicemail they left. I probably left hundreds of thousands of dollars of deals on the table by doing that. Um, one of my first hires after I got my first deal was somebody to do all the administrative work at night when I was sleeping, so in the morning I can get up and bang out 200 phone calls, right? So find the things you're, you're terrible at and then replace yourself as you keep going along. But, and then I had Carrot. I had, we checked, I was been Carrot with two years already. And I've been in the business a little bit over two years. And the reason I think is that I was driving traffic to my website so I can get, I'm, I'm organically ranked number one in my market. And I haven't done anything outside of what they tell you to do, right? So those things are important. It's a credibility factor. It's out the box, 20 minutes, you got a website. It looks like you've been a pro, right? So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. No, as we grow now, um, our, our average month is between $200,000, $250,000 a month in assignment fees. It's, um, we now focus on a lot more than that. But our bread and butter, the reason why I have in-house phone callers is because they're the only ones that can touch those leads. So they, they're responsible for calling 40 organic leads every day, and that's from probate or taxes. Okay, what's your number three? Um, my number three lead source that I like? My market's good with bandit signs. You know, some markets I hear terrible things about them, but I'm gonna rock them out until they sue me. <laughs> I got a fund saved up just for them. Um, but I love cold calling, so we call everybody. But probate, taxes, um, delinquent. I like this list called the water list. You guys ever heard of that? Oh, wow. Oh, that's like a ninja trick. So if county, if water is owned by the county, then all you have to do is ask the county for people that haven't had water for six months or more, and they'll give you a list. There goes, there goes 500 grand right there. Go get her. 
Um, so that, that's, a, that's a, something good that I like. I like, so I have two marketing methods. I go, I have a wide marketing method, your standard stuff everybody talks about, absentee, uh, you know, all those lists. And then I have a deep, deep, deep list or a deep marketing method. And we go deep with those things. Like we try to reverse engineer a lot of things on how good they are. So. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm Jamaican. Yeah, man. I'm new to this stuff. I'm curious how you incentivize your in-house co-callers. Brett mentioned that earlier, mm -hmm. the ATP program that's better to use in-house. Yep. I'm curious how you incentivize your in-house co-callers. With money. Well, Everybody likes money, right? So they're all, they, all, they have, all have a base salary, right? And uh, they get percentage of each deal. And it, and, and it's pretty pre simple. They get a percentage of each spread. Now, that's how we do it in my office. Uh, I know some of my guys that I'm in masterminds with, they have a base salary for the first 90 days and no bonuses. I don't use the word commissions because my attorney said not to, but no bonuses. So what happens is you can decide to turn off your bonus, so your base, anytime you want. And then you can go a percentage of the start percentage of the deals. You have guys that, that two, if you get a true sales guy, He's going to want to be off your, your base like in a week because you're capping his money, right? And you just want people to go out there and get it. Yes? Starting from the beginning, right? So starting like month one, month two, month three, mm -hmm. and with little to no money. You said, I think on a YouTube video, you did cold calls, right? Yep. So after like maybe 9 and 12, what was the rest of your day? Did you just chill or like what else? No chill, bro. I don't chill now. <laughs> No. No, what else did you do for the rest of the day? Like, um, I went driving for dollars. Gosh, yeah. Literally, I mean, that's, if, if you're starting out in this business and you literally got no money, you're negative money like I had, you've got to go out and drive for dollars. One, because you physically get to see what an abandoned or vacant or distressed house looks like. Two, you're actually learning the market while you're doing it. And one, I mean, the third one is once you find it, you jump on it immediately. So I would go driving for dollars for three or four hours and I'd come back with a list. Back then we were just like, we had Google Maps open and we would pin it and then just take a screenshot. And I would just go home and look it all up on the tax records to see who owns them. A month, just go driving for dollars. I promise you, go driving for dollars. Thanks, Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. At what point did you decide at, at your income to take on the expenses of an office of your first hire of, you know, what was the, the I guess, yeah. the That makes sense. So, so once I realized that I was missing money because I didn't have an in-house staff, right, there's only so much somebody can do from across the, the world, right? So I know I, in order to grow and in order to create a company culture, I was like, you know what, I got enough money to go do it, let's do it and let's start hiring people, right? I hired a transaction coordinator because that's one of the things I hated about getting the deal, finding the buyer, and now I gotta manage everything in between, so I hired a transaction coordinator, we hired cold callers, we hired acquisitions managers. It was just, you know, just going. So I made, I made that decision because I knew that I was leaving money on the table by not having an in-house staff. And it was, I could afford it. So that, that was the big catalyst that I, I knew I could afford it. So you decided to do that when you could afford it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Because you don't, you don't want to overstress yourself. Literally, a one-woman, one-man operation, you can make $10,000, $20,000 a month. I mean, that's more than, that's way above the American average. In some states, you're a one percenter if you do that. So, I mean, you see a lot of presenters and they talk about how big their business is, but you got to go back to the day one. You got to go get that old Ford Volkswagen jet and you got to start driving around. Take, matter of fact, take one of the wires off your starter. Intentionally make it bad. <laughs> we got one, one here and then we'll go right to you. Yes, ma'am. Yes. I wasn't me. I wasn't me at that time. I didn't even. Have, I, that was my. I was making my first YouTube video at that conference. I remember. Just a year ago. A year ago last weekend. So watching you progress has been phenomenal because yeah. you told us what to do, and you know we figured it out eventually, but it was right on. Um, my question though is, how did you balance establishing more of your brand and still doing your business without getting distracted or busy? You're from Alabama, right? Yeah. I remember now. So, what, um, that's, that's, a, I never had that question before. I, I care about real estate first. This whole Max Maxwell thing could go in dark tomorrow because I care about building an empire, right? Literally a billion dollar business is what I want to build. Um, so when I figured out I couldn't carry the camera you see me carrying around at lunch, I hired J-Rock, right? So I get in my office, my mic pack is sitting on my desk. I put on my mic pack and I go about my day. Okay. He's just a shadow. And he, he might say, hey, you want to explain that? And I'll take five seconds and I'll explain it. Hmm? Absolutely. So is that it? Oh yeah, I forgot, sorry. Yeah. You know, they're all good. I'm in one that's real good, but it was created by like-minded people. It actually don't cost any money. Um, but, my, <laughs> but my circle changed. So when I go to these events, I started hanging around people that were doing five, six million dollars a year. I became friends with them. And then they started like, hey, we should all come together. And when we came together and we, we created some. But you could even get a mastermind at your level with just accountability people. Because I could come here to this event and I can get one golden nugget that will add two or three percent to my revenue line and it'd be totally worth every single dollar penny or time I sacrifice to come here. Just that one small thing. So you guys have to share amongst each other knowing that there's enough real estate and money out there that I'll never see you even if you were in my market. Yes, sir. Thing, good things that have happened by building your personal brand, like your YouTube channel, etc. Um, well, I haven't monetized it yet, so not the money side. Well, that's fine. Raising money, raising money became a lot easier. What's that? Raising capital became a lot easier. Good. Um, have you got team members from it? Yep, I had people stalk me and come to my office and get jobs. Um, you know, it, it, there's a benefit side to it. Um, there's a negative side to it, too. The seller might know who you are. So I stopped going out as many appointments. I don't give out business cards because I don't want them to Google my name. So there's a negative side to it. And if they see me on YouTube 
talking about what I'm doing, they're going to be like, I ain't calling you back. You know? or, they, or the opposite, you know what you're doing, I'm going to give you my house. So there's, there's plus and minuses to everything, but the brand was by mistake, man. This is not intentional. Like, I really just love real estate. I really love solving people's problems. Do you, do you have a mission behind your branding? Are you trying to influence or help a certain... More help. I, once I started recording what I was doing, I see more help. I see help. I see that I'm helping people. So it's hard for me to put down. Right? He's a red on my balance sheet. Right? So, you know, it'll pay, it, you know, something to happen one day. I just like, I just like it. I guess that's, I like it. It's a bad hobby. <laughs> yes, sir. Huh? Yeah, they are. They are a closing attorney. They're, they're also part of my deep marketing strategy. So since I have an in-house in real estate attorney that's been doing this for 17 years, um, he can reverse. He can, he can look at any title problem and tell me how to solve it in, in an hour. And I can go do things like cash for deeds, knowing that I have the solution that most people would pass up on. Does that make sense? You guys know what cash for deeds is? I, like a property can have a title issue, and I can take the property in a quick claim deed, knowing that my attorney already has a solution. Right? So most people are just going to pass on it because it's got so much title issues, and he looks at it and he's like, no, I know this, I know how to, yup, okay, yeah, you should go get it, right? Because you might see $65,000 worth of liens, and he can get it down to like 15000 That's the difference between a deal and no deal, and I might just go to somebody's house and say, look, I'll give you this cash, I know you're probably, I'm going to take the risk, I'm taking all, which I am, I'm going to take the risk here, and they deed me the property, they get to walk away with, with and then I, we know how to solve it, right? So he's, he's on salary, um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Uh, one more question. Probably not the last. But the gentleman that found your office and came I yeah. guess, a few months ago, mm -hmm. I can't remember his name, I should. Um, what qualities in him helped him to be successful, and what qualities do you look for in an acquisitions person to be successful? Well, he had drive, right? So I knew that I can teach him the business side, right? I can teach you how to make phone calls. I can teach that. You had, he had the hustle, he had the audacity to come find me, stand out in front of my office. Um, she's talking about a guy named Lewis. Um, Lewis was actually so good, or you know, he had the entrepreneur mindset, you talked about turnover, that he actually resigned on Monday to go do his own thing. Right? So you gotta, it's cool though, I, you know, it's, I, I wish him the best. He ain't gonna beat me, but I wish him the best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm curious because I'm looking forward to growing a business mm -hmm. from zero to that level. So what are some of the challenges I can expect to be facing at your level? You know, one thing I'll say, don't even worry about it, man. Like, that's, that's my quick answer. Don't worry about the challenges that you're going to face. I feel like people put unknown obstacles in front of them to give them a reason not to move forward. Right? I am much more happier than I am making a quarter million dollars a month than I was broke. So anything moving forward... I'm going to tackle that obstacle because I no longer have to tap my, my, my starter, right? My oil changes are four grand. That's the type of problems I want to have. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely.
So I guess we got a couple more. Yes. What, what apps are you using? Apps that I'm using. Let's pull out my phone. So apps that I love, I have a folder in my, in my phone that just says real estate. So I have Simple Crew. It's where people use to track my bandit signs. I have my Podio app, which is for investor fuse. I use LandGlide now when I'm driving for dollars. I also use Deal Machine when I'm driving for dollars when I want to take a picture of that property. Because in my office, we don't mail. We do zero mail. Um, I have Dialpad, CallRail, Zillow, my MLS stuff. Um, that's pretty much it. And I have the DocuSign app. And Slack. Yeah, I love Slack. Slack is how I communicate with my entire team throughout the day. Yeah, I use Dialpad. That's our company office phone system that we use. So everybody's on Dialpad and has a number. Yes, sir. How's REI Rails treating you? It's doing well. So REI Rails is something that my team and I built, um, started about 10 months ago, because we were using so much RVMs, right? RVM is like the secret sauce to my business. I literally take an outbound marketing effort and turn it into an inbound with a ringless voicemail. Right? So we pump out tons of those. So we had different options we were using, and it was very ugly. It wasn't efficient. So I partnered up with some developers, and we created a system called REI Rail. Um, and it basically is it's built just for investors to drop in campaigns. It's, it just does so much more. So in my office, we use, we use uh, we use ringless voicemail, so we created something for it, and we just, we just launched that uh, September 1st to the public. Thank you. Yes, sir? What's your long-term real estate goal? I want to be a billionaire. Right. <laughs> yes, sir? Huh? I love that you knew it like that. Yeah, that's, I, want to, I want to be able to own a property like this. You kidding me? Yeah, so remember a VA is just a blank slate. So if you get a terrible VA, you're a terrible coach. You're a terrible employer. So don't hire somebody thinking they know your company culture or exactly what you want them to do. Like if a VA fails, you failed. Because you hired them and then you couldn't train them to get to where you wanted them to be. So don't, I, I talk about VAs and I call them remote employees. Don't treat them just like they're, regular, they're not regular people. They're literally regular people. Like my main VA right now is on vacation. And she's still getting paid because it's a company culture. I got a text right before I got here that one of my VAs said, hey, I just realized it's our one year anniversary together. I already knew that. I sent her something to the Philippines already. Right? So you just got to gotta train your VAs to exactly what you want to do. And one, one mistake I see people do all the time is they go out and hire a VA not knowing what the heck they want them to do. Uh, hey, I need a cold caller. Okay, how many calls you made? Oh, I, I don't like cold calling. Then what do you, how are you going to tell them how to cold call? Right? You got to pick up the phone, face your fears, and, and do it. Like, I couldn't work at the head of the surgery department at a hospital and hire doctors. I don't know how good they are. I couldn't tell them how to do brain surgery. So why would I be in charge of hiring and training brain surgeons? Doesn't make sense, does it? So you got you, you to gotta literally... You've got to literally know what you're doing before you pass it on, right? Create SOP, standard operating procedures for, for VAs. When I hire a VA, I don't even have to talk to them. I have a website that they have a login. 
that they go watch the 20 videos according to their actual job description. I don't even have to talk to them. And I streamline the process. This is what you do daily, this is what you do weekly, this is what you do monthly, here's what you do at the end of every day. Do it over and over and over and over and over again. That's it. Yes, sir? One, uh, massive data collection. Uh, we literally try to pull every single data we can from the public records. Yeah. Two is all my phones go through a VA. One late, the one that texts me, she's been with a year. She is my, leaves, she's my live answer. Every single phone call that comes to my office is getting picked up. You better believe it. So they, they do that. I have cold callers and I have my VA administrator. She oversees all the VAs, and then she's also the head uh, person that does all the pulling data and making sure my lists are ready to go. Because it's, when you're doing so much business, having lists ready for your cold callers and organ organizing them is a big task in itself. Yeah. With somebody else. Overseas, Philippines. And there's other places you can go, Costa Rica. Um, I heard now Nicaragua is pretty good or something like that. But training, you gotta train them. I don't care where they're from, train them. Is that it? Cool. So what I want you guys to do is give a round of applause to Tom Kroll and his team for putting on such a crazy event. Like literally, everybody stand up, turn around, and give them a round of applause. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Wholesaling Houses Elite Podcast with Max Maxwell. Make sure to tune in next week to see what elite wholesaler will have in the hot seat.